Well, I want us to read the same scripture that we've been reading each day for, well, this is the second week. Someone may say, well, how long are you going to read those scriptures? Well, maybe until everybody starts believing them. And we, <laughs> then, we, then we go on to something else. Praise God. So if you've been with us, you know that that's first the ninth chapter of Matthew's gospel. And then the fifth chapter of John's gospel. And then the fourteenth chapter of John's gospel. Matthew chapter 9. John chapter 5, John chapter 14. We'll read, and then we'll look at some other scriptures also. All right, now, Matthew, the ninth chapter. You got your Bible open, 35th verse? And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness, or a better translation is, every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. Then in the uh, fifth chapter of John's gospel, beginning to read with the very first verse, the scripture tells us, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, or we would say in that condition, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole. The same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, 
making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Then in this 12th verse of the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Well, praise God. We're to do the works that Jesus did. What did they consist of? The first verse said he went around about their cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. So the ministry of Jesus consisted of teaching, preaching, and healing. Now there are those, of course, that God calls especially to be teachers and there are those that God calls especially and sets in the church as in certain offices. And yet everybody can teach what they know. Now, even in the natural, you can do that. I mean, if you know the ABCs, you could teach somebody else the ABCs. If you know how to read, you could teach someone else to read. If you know the multiplication table, you could teach someone else the multiplication table. And you wouldn't have to be anointed to do it. You just have to know it. And then the word preach means to proclaim or to tell Everybody, the gospel, see the gospel is a good news. Everybody ought to tell the good news to everybody they can. Praise God. Now you see, this, this verse, these verses are not just talking about those that are set aside as certain ministry gifts in the body of Christ. They do have their function, all right, and should function. But right on the other end, what I'm showing you is that Jesus said, he that believeth on me. Well, you believe on him, don't you? I said, don't you? Amen. Praise God. Well, then you. You, you, you do the works of Jesus. What did the works of Jesus consist of? Teaching, preaching, healing. I remember in one area where we were preaching this past year, or, you know, within the radius of 12 months or so here, I, I really think it was this past May, so it would be a little past 12 months. Uh, a lady said to me, uh, in one of our meetings, crusades, uh, you know, our seminars, Brother Hagin, you know, said, uh, she wanted me to go in the afternoon, you know, and pray for a lady in their city. And she said, you know, I've been reading to her and reading. She's bed fast now at home in bed and given up to die by medical science. And I've been taking some of your tapes to her, you know, over quite a period of time. And, and uh, I just believe she's ready if you'd just come lay hands on her, the Lord and heal her. Well, no, I said, I'm not coming. I don't have anything on it. I mean... Uh, you know, folks always want you to go. I always reserve the right. If the Lord said go, go. But then right on the other hand, I feel obligated that, that if I just on my own, you see, without any leading of the Lord, because no one would object you follow the leading of the Lord. If I went to visit one or minister to one, then I'd feel obligated to treat everybody just alike and go to everybody. Well, if you did that, you'd just be going all the time. Wouldn't be ready for your services, you know. If you're going to preach twice a day, it takes time to get ready. You can't just run all day long and be ready to preach then. Are you listening to me? You wear yourself out. And so I said, no, I'm not going. I don't know the lady. I've never seen her. I know she may through the tapes and books become acquainted in a sense with at least my ministry. 
But I said, you're the one that's been ministering to her. You lay hands on her. Now, we'll forget that woman just acted shocked, you know, like you'd slapped her with a wet dish rag. She said, me? Me lay hands? Yeah, I said you. Oh, I couldn't do that. I've never laid hands on anybody. Well, I said, you know, I mean, this may not be word for word, but this is essence of what I endeavored to get over to her. You're authorized by the Bible. You're authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to lay hands on the sick. See, she acted like she didn't even know it. You see, we rattle off scripture sometimes and never register on us. I think we think maybe they're talking about somebody else. I said, well, sure, Jesus said, these signs that follow them that believe, you believe, don't you? Yeah. Well, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I said, you are authorized to lay hands on the sick. Well, I don't know. Now, see, sometimes people will listen to you, the individual, the human person, quicker than the will of the Bible and Jesus. Do you know that? So I saw she's hesitating. I didn't have much time. And I just said, I authorize you. I command you to go do it. I command you to go do it. Well, if, 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 if you, you know, just stumble on, if you say so, I said, I said so, go do it. She come back just a grinning the next day. Face looked like, you know, you turned a neon sign on in the dark. Brother Hagin, you know, said, I laid hands on that woman prayed. She got instantly healed. Been bed fast for months. Doctor give her up. Now she's healed. She's well. You know, said, that's the first prayer. Oh, she's just so thrilled. You know, just couldn't hardly, you know, just seemed like you're going to float away. Just couldn't keep your feet on the floor. She said, you know, I guess maybe I ought to quit now. I can say everybody ever prayed for got healed. <laughs> you know, batted a thousand percent. No, I said, you shouldn't quit now. And, and just because everybody you pray for don't get healed, that doesn't mean you stop laying on hands on the sick. See, your job is not to heal them. Your job is to lay hands on them. See, they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah to Jesus. And so, uh, you see, that woman became enlightened to what belonged to her. Now, now, you see, she had been teaching the woman through my books. You know, and of course, commenting on it herself. And through the tapes, that's teaching ministry, you see. That's doing the works of Jesus. She had been teaching the woman. And that's what I said to her. Now, you're the one who's been teaching her. She's acquainted with you and knows you. You go out ahead and minister to her. Don't try to get somebody else. You know, very often, uh, people make that mistake. They've been talking to somebody. An old friend of mine said recently, he was traveling on the airplane somewhere with somebody, you know, this. They was traveling on the, uh, you know, they weren't traveling first class. They was traveling back there, you know, where there's three seats together, you know. And he's sitting there. This fellow is looking out the window. And his friend is traveling with him. They're, they're, they're businessmen and they're saved men. They're Christian men. In fact, they're going to a full gospel business men's convention. where they're going. Or just a full gospel business men's meeting. And, and so one of them sitting there looking out the airplane window, you know, just, you know, mind wandering around. And this one sitting in the middle now. He struck up a conversation with the person on the outside and, and began to finally ask them if they were Christian, they weren't, and preached to him for a while, you know, witnessed to him, really preached to him for, oh, 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, they began, the person began to weep, you know, and, and, and so then he said to the other, said, they want to get saved, said, you pray for them. Well, he wasn't even paying attention to congregation. You know, he got no anointing on him, you know, he just, he just his mind's wandering all off somewhere. Well, that's foolish. Are you listening to it? You've been talking to somebody and witnessing to somebody. You go ahead. The anointing's on you to minister to them. 
Don't come up and say, Brother Edgar, would you, people do that, I don't know, would you minister to them? Well, I haven't been talking to them. I don't know where they are. There's no anointing on me to minister to that individual. God wants to use you. Did you understand that? You need to get that. You need to understand that. So this other man, like he said, said, man, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I wasn't even thinking about the things of God. He's looking out, you know, and observing things of nature and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and he's not, you know, I mean, he had to almost go up two or three times and took him a little while to get, try to get in gear. <laughs> so uh, actually, if you don't know how to lead a person to the Lord, well, you better not even be witnessing to him. Because, you know, the Bible talks about, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. And, you know, it, it'd be foolish for you to go fishing if you didn't know how to land a fish. You know what I mean? I mean, you'd just be sitting out there wasting your time. And so you should be expert enough in ministering to people, whether it's praying for their healing, whether it's getting them saved, praying for the needs or whatever, that if you're the one that's ministering to them, you're the one that's talking to them, when you can see the times come for to reel them in, bless God, just start bringing fish in. You do it. That'd be silly, a fella going out here fishing. You take Bill, we'll say he went fishing out here, you see. And he throwed, you know, cast that thing out there, you know, and a fish got onto it, you know, and he laid it down and run, said, I'm going to run in there and get Brother Hagin to reel that in for me. <laughs> well, the time we got back out there, while well, they probably reel and everything's gone. You know what I mean? See what I'm talking about? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, let's stop and think just a little bit about this. Uh, let, let's see how the disciples put that into practice because we're supposed to do the same thing. Now, notice the word there. Uh, we've been talking about the teaching side. Let, let's do this. You turn over to the 14th chapter of Acts. And while you're turning to the 14th chapter of Acts, we'll sum up what we've said here last week and this week down till now. You'll find that under the ministry of Jesus, now there, there are about seven different methods all through the Bible. Uh, that is the New Testament of receiving healing. But you'll find here in the four Gospels that these healings came under about four different categories. Now, first of all, you'll find like that the pool of Bethesda, and here's five porches full of people, and an angel comes down from heaven. Now, God didn't promise that. There's nothing in the Bible that said he'd ever do that. But you see, first of all, God does because he is a sovereign, divine, sovereign being. In his divine sovereignty, he initiates some things on his own sometimes. Amen, isn't that right? Now, who does this work for? Well, notice it just worked for one at a time. Isn't that strange? Well, now, how come it just worked for one time? I don't know. I didn't do it. God did. So if you want to know, go ask him. Well, one fellow said to me, well, Brother Hagin, you go ask him for him. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not in this little petty things like that. I wouldn't even insult the father by talking to him about it. He's God. He can do what he wants to. As long as he doesn't violate his word or make himself out a liar. And healing's right in line with his word. And I already know without asking him that he does things as signs and wonders sometimes. Just trying to inspire people to believe to help them to know that he is alive, to demonstrate his power. Are you listening to me? And if he wanted me to know anything beyond that, he'd tell me. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to seek it, and it's in none of my business. You know, we'd just do what the Bible said, tend their own business and leave the other fellows and God's alone. We'd be a whole lot better off. Well, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. So number one, one category is that God will initiate healing sometimes on his own. 
and it'll work just for anybody. I mean, they don't even have to be a Christian. I've seen people raised up, you know, and doctors themselves just shook their heads and I can't understand. This beats anything I've ever seen in my life. You notice here that the first one in got healed. That was the only qualification. The first one in the pool got healed. You know, we'd say saved or unsaved. Pretty or ugly. Man or woman. Rich or poor. Whatever. The first one in got healed. And you'll see things all along through life work just like that. You'll wonder how in the world come it to happen. But uh, just leave it alone. God knows what he's doing. Praise God. Now then secondly... See, now that was the divine sovereignty of God at work. Now, secondly, Jesus came here anointed by the Spirit of God. And so you'll find that manifested first, you see, this angel coming down and troubling the water and folks stepping in and getting healed was a demonstration of God's power and might and ability. Now then, Jesus, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, walked up to that pool because he's anointed the Holy Ghost, then the Holy Ghost manifests himself through him in what the Bible calls gifts of the Spirit as are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And if you'll examine the four Gospels carefully, you'll find all of the gifts of the Spirit were manifested through him except tongues and interpretation. Tongues and interpretation are distinctive to this Holy Ghost dispensation in which we are living. So here you see, first of all, the word of knowledge manifested through him. He knew, it says, that this man had been in that case for a long time, or in that condition for a long time. Yeah, but some folks said, yeah, but Jesus is the Son of God. Being the Son of God, he ought to know everything. Well, he was the Son of God, but he, we looked at Scripture here and several different translations. It brings out the thought that when he came into this world, he laid aside his mighty power and glory. He stripped himself of his divine glory and majesty and became like human beings. That is, he didn't know any more than any other human being did. It was only after he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus and asked the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. It was after he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power that he went about doing these miraculous things, you see. So, first of all, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation concerning or facts, concerning people, places, or things. God doesn't reveal everything to you, he knows, but he just lets you know what you need to know. So he knew by the Spirit of God that the man had been in that case for a long time. Secondly, you'll find gifts of healings here. Notice he didn't preach to the man. Notice he didn't teach the man. Notice he doesn't say anything about the man's faith. Later on, he found him in the temple because the man didn't even know who had healed him. You know, the Jews saw him carrying his bed and stopped him, said it's unlawful you'd carry your bed on the Sabbath day. And uh, he said, the man that made me whole told me to take up a bed. Well, I said, who was it? Who was it that made you whole and told you to take up your bed? Who is that man? He said, I don't know. I don't know who he was because said, the scripture said, we read it, he conveyed himself away. The multitude being there, conveyed himself. In other words, he stepped away. In other words, Jesus only ministered to one man. He walked off and left five porches full of sick people. You see, when you're ministering under the anointing of the Spirit of God with gifts of healing, you can only minister to those to whom the Spirit manifests itself. You can't make that work just to any and everybody. Are you listening? You know, we bring out different illustrations sometimes in our own ministry. Praise the Lord, where the Spirit of God has spoken to us, you see. And folks have gotten right up and walked off a deathbed, got right up and walked off a stretchers. Well, now, why didn't I minister to everybody there? It's that same condition. I remember one, one time, just, uh, just a couple of years back, over a five-week period, we had five people that walked out of wheelchairs, one, you know, over each week. 
And yet, right on the other hand, there were other people sitting there in the wheelchairs that didn't walk out of the wheelchair, and some of them afterwards were healed. I mean, the healing was manifested after. Now, why didn't you, you see, uh, minister to those others? I had no leading. Uh, the Spirit didn't say anything to me about those. In fact, if I lay hands on people, I just lay hands on them and go on. I never tell him to get up or walk. Now notice Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now why did he do that? Because the Spirit told him to. He's motivated by the Spirit of God. Now why did I just deal with one person when there's five or six people sitting there in a wheelchair? I laid hands on all of them to pray for the healing because the Scripture said do it. But I dealt with only one of them and that one did get up, rise up and walk because that's the only one that the Spirit of God said. So I couldn't in the Spirit deal with the others. Can you understand that? You can't do it unless the Spirit says so. Now, see, a lot of times you can see people trying it within themselves and you notice they never succeed. Amen. And so, therefore, when gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation, and that's the second way, second category here, then you can only minister to the ones that the Spirit says minister to. It'll work for that one. That manifestation is a manifestation of the gifts of healing for that one then at the moment. You'll notice that sometimes in large crowds of several thousand people that sometimes four or five are healed and everybody else isn't. Not that way. They could be healed, but not that way. Now notice this one man was healed among these five porch full of people. That way, none of the rest of them were. And so you see Jesus then ministered under that anointing with the Spirit of God and gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit wills. But that's not the only way he ministered. Only a small portion of those that were healed under his ministry were healed that way. We know from reading the four Gospels and studying them carefully that there are 19 individual cases of healing. And out of the 19, the faith of the individual spoken of. They were healed on their faith. They were healed on their faith. Now notice Jesus never said he found this man in the temple later on and revealed himself to him. I'm the one that made you whole and said to him, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come unto you. Never did say a word about his faith, did it? Did he? Not a word about his faith. Now notice there in that, uh, in that ninth chapter of Matthew's gospel where we were, however, that Jesus, just prior to this 34th verse, ministered to two blind men that followed him from Jairus' house. Now notice this verse, 29th verse. Then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, now notice the difference. To that man at the pool of Bethesda, he didn't say, according to your faith, rise up and walk, did he? I said, did he? No, he just said, rise up and walk. You see, when you're inspired by the Spirit of God and the power is there, you can do that. If it's not there, you're wasting your time to do it like that. But there is another way you can minister, praise God. And that's the third category of ministries, and that is Jesus taught people so they would have faith, for faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, uh, and, and see, by teaching them, then they would have faith. And then he said to them, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now I'm going to come back to that. Mo momentarily notice this, that he said, Jesus went about all their cities and villages, teaching their synagogues and preaching what? Preaching what? The gospel, the gospel. You see, the point I want to get over to you is this, that people under the ministry of Jesus, and we're to do the works of Jesus, were not only healed by these supernatural manifestations, but they were healed by him teaching 
in their synagogues and by preaching the gospel. Now, why did he teach and preach? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Now, here's an example of it. You've got your Bibles to that 14th chapter of Acts. You have your Bibles open there to the 14th chapter of Acts. This has to do with the ministry of Paul and actually Barnabas, but primarily Paul at this setting. It talks about their first missionary journey. The scripture says in the seventh verse of the 14th chapter of Acts, and there they, Paul and Barnabas, preached the gospel. There is Lystra, Derby, the cities of Lyconia, and the region that lieth around about, the sixth verse said. Now notice. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. Now look at the ninth verse. The same heard Paul speak. Now what did Paul speak? We just got through reading that he preached the gospel. Didn't we? Didn't we? He preached the gospel. The same, the man, the crippled man, heard Paul speak, who, that is Paul, steadfastly beholding him. See, while Paul was preaching, he fastened his eyes upon him, and beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. Now compare the difference between this man being healed and that man being healed and the fifth chapter of John's gospel. Notice nothing said about him having faith. Notice Jesus did not preach to him. Notice that Jesus just simply said, rise, take up your bed and walk. That's a manifestation of gifts of healings, one of the gifts of the Spirit through Jesus, works the same way through us as the Spirit wills. But now what if you don't have that? Are you going to be able to help people? Here's another man. These years later, that's sitting there crippled. He wouldn't, if he'd have been there at the pool of Bethesda, which he isn't even in Jerusalem. He's in this city, Lystra. But if he'd been in Jerusalem, sitting there, he couldn't have got in. Somebody had got in ahead of him because he's crippled. He couldn't have got in the water unless there'd been somebody there to put him in. But he didn't even know anything about the pool of Bethesda. But Paul is here speaking. Now, how did Paul get him healed? Don't misunderstand me. There were times under the ministry of Paul that there were manifestations of God's power and uh, gifts of the Spirit. Not here. Not here. Paul didn't heal the man. I don't care what kind of something somebody wrote. You know, now the text of your Bible is always true. You understand that. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. But everything that man wrote at the top of the page, the bottom of the page, in the middle of the page, or in the margin isn't necessarily so. In my Bible, at the top of this page, it says, Paul healeth a cripple. Dear Lord, dear Lord, how in the world an intelligent person could read this and get that out of it? I don't understand it. To save my life. I ask you this question, did Paul heal the man? No, no. I ask you this question, did Paul have faith for the man to be healed? No. I ask you this question, was the man healed through manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit? No. Why was the man healed and how was the man healed? The text said he had faith to be healed, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? Didn't we read it? He had faith to be healed. Well, if he had faith to be healed, where did he get faith to be healed? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, by what he heard. What did he hear? He heard the gospel preached. Now you see why Jesus preached the gospel? 
Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, now let me ask you the question. Could folks get healed by hearing what some people call the gospel? Could this man have received faith to receive healing for his physical body, having never walked a step in his life, being a cripple from his mother's womb, if he had heard Paul preached only that Jesus died for his sins? No, he could have got faith to be saved from his sins. Couldn't he? I said, couldn't he? Then Paul must have preached more than that. He had to preach that Jesus not only died for that man's sins, and thank God he did, and that is of foremost importance, but Paul must have a necessity also have preached what Isaiah said. And after all, he had to preach the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written this time. In the Old Testament, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, talking about the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We call it the great redemptive chapter. Not only tells us that he was made sin for us, but the scripture also said, surely he had borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him with his stripes were healed. Paul had to preach something about healing for the man to have faith for physical healing. You can't have faith in something you haven't heard. Amen. Amen. You can't believe in something you haven't heard. Turn back to the 10th chapter of Romans and see that that's so. See that that's so. There in the 13th verse, in the 13th verse, of this 10th chapter of Romans, the scripture declares, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now notice, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? They can't. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard. They can't. How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, that doesn't mean a minister of the gospel. Preacher, everybody ought to be a preacher. See, preach means to proclaim to tell. How shall they hear without a proclaimer or without a teller or without somebody telling them? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Every one of us are sent to preach. I didn't say every one of us are a minister of the gospel. I didn't say every one of us will stand in one of the offices that God set in the church. But I said that everybody ought to be a preacher. They ought to proclaim and tell the good news. What is the good news? Jesus died for our sins. Well, if that's the, all the good news there is, how in the world did this man get faith to be healed when that's not part of the good news? Paul preached the gospel. That's what it said, the seventh verse. And there they preached the gospel. I've heard preachers say, I don't believe that healing's in the gospel. Well, you don't believe the gospel then. I don't mind telling them. They've never believed the gospel yet. Oh yeah, they'd pull the coat off and roll up the sleeves and fight to prove they believe the gospel. But I'm going to prove I believe the gospel by preaching it. I'm not going to prove I believe the gospel by arguing, fussing, debating, fighting about it. 
I'm not going to get down there on the level of those folks. I might get dirty. I'm going to stay up here with God and proclaim the truth. Amen. Are you listening? And there they preached the gospel. Hallelujah. The good news is not only that Jesus died for your sins, but that himself took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. Isn't that good? Oh, glory to God. Isn't that good? That's what that fellow heard. Now, you know what else? I'm sure of this one thing, that there were other people there besides this fellow that needed healing, aren't you? You couldn't get a crowd of people together without any number of them needing healing. And yet it seems, because the Bible doesn't tell us, so I'd have to add to the Bible to say it, it seemed that, that this is the only fellow that, that, that faith came into his heart. Now, why did it? Because he, he heard, he heard. See, a lot of people sitting there, but they're not hearing You understand that? A lot of times they're sitting there debating in their mind about what is being preached instead of hearing. A lot of times they're sitting there saying, no, 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 that's not so. I can't believe that. I don't believe a word of it. Or sitting there, boy, I sure hope that works for me. I come for Brother Hagin to pray for me. I sure hope he's laying hands on the sick today. I sure hope it works. And see, it never does. I said it never does because they've left the gospel. Don't shout me down now. Just because I'm preaching real good. Oh, I got some of you going. Have I? You, you can hear those old rusty gears in your head just a whirling. <laughs> Praise God. Good, good. You get people to thinking, you get them start to listening and you get them start to hearing. Are you there? All right, there they preach the gospel and they sat at Lystra. A man here, a cripple, being a cripple, from his mother's womb who never had walked, the same heard Paul speak. Paul, steadfastly beholding him, perceived that he had faith to be healed. The man was healed on his faith. See, that's why we teach and preach. Most people are going to be healed on their faith. Their faith. Most, the majority, by far the large majority of all healings, under the ministry of Jesus, and it's not going to be any different under our ministry. If so, we'd be above the master, and no, the servant's not above the master. But all the majority of the healings of Jesus, according to the four gospels, were accomplished by the faith of the individual. That's the reason he put preaching, teaching, and preaching first. Do you notice the sequence there? Look again, Matthew 9, 35. He went about their cities and villages teaching, number one. Preaching, number two. Healing, number three. Now, a lot of people would like to reverse the order. Let's get on to the healing. I'm not interested in the teaching. I'm not interested in the preaching. Let's get on to the healing. That's what I want to get to. But the majority of time, you've got to go through the teaching and the preaching to get to the healing. Are you listening to me? May I refer you again? We look at it a number of times, but, but just to clench the nail on the other side of the board, so to speak. May I refer you again to Luke, fifth chapter. Notice this. Under the ministry of Jesus, Luke, the fifth chapter, and the 15th verse. But so much the more weren't there fame abroad of him, that's Jesus, and great multitudes came together. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. To do what? To do what? Hear to hear and to be healed. Now look in the sixth chapter. Different, different story, different crowd, different setting. 
another time, sixth chapter in the 17th verse. And he came down with them and stood in the plain. That's Jesus came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now, I want you to notice again. I want you to compare that again. Contrast that first with the healing of that man there at the pool of Bethesda. You see, the healing, that healing's in a different category. Doesn't say a word about him hearing anybody. He didn't even know when, they, when the Jews stopped him for carrying his bed because that was unlawful. You weren't supposed to carry your bed on the Sabbath day. You weren't supposed to gather up any firewood. You weren't even supposed to carry a stick of wood. You weren't even supposed to light a fire. You weren't supposed to cook any meals. A lot of folks think they're keeping the Sabbath today and no more keeping the Sabbath than I'm an astronaut. <laughs> Amen. If you walk more, if you traveled, I don't care whether you went by plane, car, walked, or rode a donkey. If you travel more than three miles on the Sabbath day, you're not keeping the Sabbath, their Sabbath. They didn't travel over three miles, didn't do any cooking. They'd cook enough on the night before and for the day that they didn't build a fire, didn't gather any wood. And this fellow was carrying his bed. And that's the reason they stopped him. Carrying his bed on the Sabbath day, brother. He's breaking the law. Just like he would if he was driving down the road out here 60 miles an hour. He's breaking the law. He got stopped. And so he said, well, the fellow that, that made me whole, he told me to take up my bed and walk. Well, they want to get after him now because he's the lawbreaker. He said, who, 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 who's that man? Who did that? The man, the scripture said, he wished not. He, he wished not. He didn't know who it was that made him whole. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, it said. So you see, nothing about hearing, nothing about faith. That's a manifestation, the Spirit of God. Thank God for manifestation, the Spirit of God. Amen. I remember I was preaching down here in southeast Oklahoma, down in Hugo, for the Assemblies of God, a sectional camp meeting in August of 1951. And... Uh, I remember I was, I was preaching away, just finished my sermon, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, you know, crowd sitting out there. And uh, I pointed to a fella. And I said to him, uh, you right there, a fella in front of him said, me? I said, no, the man right behind you there. Never seen a man before in my life. Didn't know who he was anymore than a man in the moon. And this fella behind him said, then said, me? Yeah, I said, you. Oh, back about halfway in the tent. I said, stand up. Well, he stood up. I said, step out there now. He stepped out now. I said, the Lord shows me that you're a sinner. See, Jesus knew this man had been in that case a long time. The Lord shows me you're a sinner. See, now that fellow standing there sort of like this, sort of, you know. He said, you're right so far, preacher. I said, the Lord shows me you have a double hernia or a rupture. You're right again, preacher. I said, the Lord showed me, told me to tell you, if you'd come down here, I'd lay my hands on you and both of those ruptures or hernias will disappear instantly. You think that fellow weighed the sinner, man? You never saw a fellow make such a long steps in his life. He got right down there. Now, see, now this is a sectional 
camp meeting. You know, the section there. Number of preachers of the Assemblies of God ministers. They have a, then had a camp meeting every year. And they invited me to come be their camp speaker, you see. The presbyter, you see, he's over the section, told me later. Oh, Brother Hagin, he said, I thought, my God, he's missed God. Because, see, they hadn't seen anybody minister the way I was. Scared some of them. <laughs> Made some of them mad and backslid others. <laughs> and a few of them was glad. Well, any time the power of God gets a moving, things like that happen, you know. But this president said, I thought to myself, well, that man, when he started down the aisle, even though you did tell him, that, that, that man, see, was from, he was pastor of a church over at Antlers. Well, that man's not going to get saved. I mean, healed. Well, that man's the meanest man in town. His wife's a member of my church. But he's the meanest man. Anything you want to mention, that's him. That's him. Bootlegger, whoremonger, gambler, crooked as a dog's hind leg. <laughs> Did you ever hear an expression like that? <laughs> like one lady said, she said, there's a crooked up there at that courthouse. When they die, they'll have to screw them in the grave. <laughs> and you know, I think she had it about right. Well, this fellow... This fellow, anything you want to mention, that's him, that's him, that's him. And this person thought, how's he going to get healed? Well, I got him down there, and then I like to, because people think they got things planned, you know. I mean, outsiders and folks that are ignorant, you know, they don't know everything's going on. I said, anybody know this man? Any number of people lifted a hand, including this preacher who was the presbyter, standing close by. Yeah, I know it. I said, now then. You can't see. You wouldn't know whether his hernia has disappeared or not. The Lord told me he had two hernias, double hernia or rupture. I want three men to come and we'll, we'll take somebody you got confidence in. Well, for instance, the ministers. The presbyter spoke up. He said, I'm from his town. I'll, I'll, I'll come and examine him, but I know. I happen to know his wife's a member of my church. He was operated on for hernia and then it broke out. They operated on him again. And again, it, it bursted, you see. And, and now then, it's, it, it's nothing, they won't operate on him anymore. The, even on this second operation, as they do sometimes, put some of that uh, screen wire-like stuff in there, you see, and it still bursted out. He said, I know it. But I said, all right, let's get, let's get some men up here, though, to, to examine him. See, can you feel those hernias? Yeah, yeah, we feel them. I said, all right, now I'm going to tell them to disappear, and then you tell me what happened. So I just cursed them, commanded them to disappear in the name of Jesus, and these three men, as witness, said, they're gone, they're gone. I said, okay, take him around there behind the platform, though, and, and remove his clothing and examine him closely and come back and tell us. And they come back and said, they disappeared. They disappeared. Now, that's a manifestation of the Spirit of God. I, why don't you do that with everybody? I can't, I can't. If the Spirit said, do it, I can do it. If you don't, then I'll fall flat on my face. Are you listening? Now, the man was saved two or three nights later. Wasn't even saved then. See, God knows what he's doing, folks. And then I laid hands on him. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. Later on, I went to that presbyter church to hold a meeting, and he told me, he said, you know what? Oh, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm sure that fellow wasn't going to get anything he's so mean. But you know, after all, he qualified. The Bible said Christ died for the ungodly. Doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? He qualified. And this pastor told me, said, that man, 
I'll tell you, he's the best worker we've got in this church. In fact, he's put more money into this church than since he's come in than all the rest of the men put together. He's done more work for God than all the rest of the men put together. Man, he said, just like he was 110% for the devil, he's 120% for God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, here's the point I'm getting to now. You see, that, that man, that, that, that happened as a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Gifts of the Spirit in operation. How do I know he's a sinner? Is revealed to me by the Spirit of knowing. How do I know he had a double rupture? Spirit of God told me. How did I minister to him? The Spirit of God told me to tell him. And so I did, you see. Now, you see, uh, uh, that man was healed that way. Did I minister to anybody else in the crowd that way? No, not another soul. And the tent's full. Why didn't you? The anointing's upon you. Yeah, but the anointing's on me to lay hands on them. So I went ahead and laid hands on them. But what happened when you laid hands on them? Well, here was a lady with a little little boy under her arm. Actually, I don't know why. She stood in the healing line so long, got tired. I guess she had this boy up under her arm. But he's between five, well, four and five years old. 1951, August 1951, down the city park of Hugo, Oklahoma, under a tent. And, and those little old legs, you know, was, was just a flopping like a rag doll because when he was 14 months old, he had polio. And those limbs, you see, were withered. You notice there at the pool of Bethesda, the somewhere that withered, waiting there. Those limbs weren't very big around. You know, he never walked another step the time he was 14 months old. See, now he's between four and five. And uh, hadn't grown long like they should. They were short. They weren't very big around. And, and, and no, never walked. No, no movement to him, you know, just flopping like a rag doll. Well, I laid hands on him with the anointing of God's power and spirit, you see. No revelation. Well, you could see what he was. You didn't need to know. I, you know, it's polio. I'm just looking at it, boy. I'm sorry. Or would assume that. And instantly that boy was healed and run up and down the platform, one end or the other of the platform. Instantly ran up and down the platform. Praise God. When he's 16 years old, he's quarterback on the high school football team. <laughs> When he's four, three, almost five years old, his little old legs are flopping around like a rag doll. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, now you see, healings come under different categories. Uh, that was the, uh, the only one I remember. You see, calling that fellow out, telling him what was wrong with him, ministering to him like that. But now what did that do? The purpose of that was as a sign and a wonder. A sign to the congregation to help them to demonstrate that the supernatural is here. God's moving. Now, if you'll believe when hands are laid on you, you'll get something. Hallelujah to Jesus. Are you listening to me? See, I didn't teach the man. He is a sinner. How come him to come? The black preacher said, said, he don't ever come to church. How in the world come him to come over to the camp meeting? I don't know. See? Other than just hearing whatever was taught that night, preached. I, I didn't teach him about healing. He didn't even, like he said later, I didn't come expected to be healed. You know, he's a sinner. He didn't come expect to get anything. Probably came just like because his wife talked him in the notion of it. Probably came just because she nagged, nagged, and kept on after him until finally thought, well, just get her to shut up, I'll go. More probability. You know, knowing women like I do. <laughs> now you ladies, I'm gonna have to straighten I'm gonna some of you fellas ought to stand around me here. I mean <laughs> I'm not gonna get in trouble. Hey, amen. Praise God. Where were we anyway? You remember? Hallelujah. I'm showing you the different categories of healing. Now, why I preach and teach? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Notice, Paul didn't have, see, now, now, now contrast or compare that with these others, you see. 
and with illustration. I get Paul here didn't have a manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit never showed him anything about that fellow other than that he had faith to be healed. He perceived that. It didn't say it was revealed to him. He said he perceived that. Do you know you can perceive people have faith? Somebody or another just shows on their face. You can perceive people are sad, can't you? Huh? Huh? Can't you? You can perceive when something's wrong with somebody seem to be bothered with something, can't you? Can't you? You can perceive when people are happy. I mean, I'm just speaking naturally. Can't you perceive when people are happy and glad? Can't you? Can't you? Sure. Well, you can perceive when people are doubting and in fear. Well, you can just see fear and doubt and unbelief written all over their face. So like a question mark on their face. But you can perceive when people are believing. There's a different kind of a look on their face. Paul steadfastly beholding him. I know I've been preaching sometime, teaching, particularly teaching. And in my classes in years gone by and days gone by, and, and just teaching away, you know. And they were people I knew that were candidates for healing, candidates to be filled with the Spirit, and I perceived they had faith. Now see, they'd been there before. I'd even laid hands on them. They got nothing because they weren't in faith. And I didn't have any manifestation of the Spirit, so it has to be on the basis of faith. And right in the middle of my Bible lesson, just like we're sitting here in the middle of our lesson, I just pointed to them and said, you're ready, stand up and start talking in tongues. And they just got up and started talking in tongues. Or if it was healing, I said, you're healed, just get up and walk off. And they just got up and walked off, see. Well, now that wasn't a manifestation of the Spirit. I could do that on the manifestation of the Spirit if he said so, but I perceived they had faith. I, I saw that. I saw that, you see. And so that's what Paul did. So he said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And the man leaped and walked. Glory to God. Now you see the reason for teaching and preaching? Can you see that? Can you see that? Now, I give this illustration because it happened here in the state of Oklahoma. It's very outstanding. I was preaching down there in the southeast corner that, uh, of Oklahoma. And uh, not in this same meeting that I'm telling you about, but another meeting. Not the count meeting. And a lady who was a member of the church, 28 years old, been paralyzed because she's an automobile wreck when she was 18. For 10 years, been paralyzed. Her back was broken two places, her neck was broken. They said she never would have any movement from her neck down. But she had to regain some use of the upper part of the body until she could swing her body along between two crutches for a few feet. I noticed she never was in any healing line or anything. Never came for healing. Wondered about it, but didn't say anything. It didn't my business, so I just keep my mouth shut. I'm a guest there in the church, so on. But she stopped me as I started outside the door one night and said, Brother Hagin, who's going to have faith for my healing, me or you? Well, now, unless I've got the gift of faith in operation, which it does sometimes, or I've got some manifestation of the Spirit, which are manifested occasionally, as I said, for some, then I have to tell her, just like I do everybody else, I said, well, you'll be healed like most people are on a mutual faith. I'm going to have enough faith to lay hands on you and minister the healing power of God to you, you have enough faith to receive it. Well, if I'm supposed to receive, believe anything, just forget it. Now, see, she wanted me to say, I'll take full responsibility for your healing. Now, friends, I can't take full responsibility for anybody's salvation. See, I can pray for them. I can instruct them when it comes to salvation. I can do all I can, but I can't take full. And you can't either. I can't take full responsibility for somebody's healing. Jesus couldn't and didn't. The Bible said in Mark 6, 5, he could there do no mighty work. Didn't say he wouldn't, said he couldn't. The next verse said, he marveled because of their unbelief. See? Well, if I'm supposed to believe anything, just forget it. 
Got mad at me, wouldn't come back and hear me preach anymore. Well, you go off just weeping, saying, dear Lord, you want to help the dear soul, but I can't lie to her. I can't tell a lie to her. Say, yeah, I'm going to have faith for you. Then when it doesn't work, then, then she's going to be all disillusioned and tragedy happens along in these areas. Two years went by and I'm back in the same church. There's the same young lady, 30 years old now, still paralyzed. But she sat there and heard the teaching. She don't have full use, but some use. She took notes. Friday night of the second week. See, she can't get up when she sat down. One of the ushers had to put his hands under her armpits, lift her to her feet, put her on the crutches. In fact, she can't walk from that wall right over yonder, over here, without falling. He had to come with her till they were within three or four feet because she can't come over just 10 feet or so on crutches without falling. So he turned her loose, you see, when he got her over here, right by me. And she moved on up here in front of me. First one in the healing line. I said, well, I see you've come for your healing. Yes, and I'll be healed too. Just lay your hand on me. <laughs> now God's my witness and hundreds of people. I barely brushed her forehead with my hand. She lifted both hands. One crutch fell that way. One crutch fell that way. And she walked off as good as you could walk or I could walk instantly. And somebody went off and told a lie about it. Said, you know, that fellow Hagen healed a crippled woman over there last night. I didn't heal any crippled woman anymore than Paul healed this cripple. Are you listening? She had faith for healing. Now, I had faith to believe with her, of course. I had faith to minister to her, of course. But it was received by her faith. Now, in conclusion, notice this. Turn back again to the fifth chapter of Mark and see it. Here's the story of the woman that we read so many times and knows her well, the woman with the issue of blood who touched Jesus' garment and was healed. Now, notice the 34th verse. And he said unto her, Daughter... Thy faith has made thee whole. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, if you want to read the whole story, you can look at it there, the 25th through the 34th verse. It said there's a certain woman with an issue of blood of 12 years who had suffered many things and many physicians with nothing the better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed in that, of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, Master, the multitude throngeth thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Hallelujah. 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 That's the benefit of teaching and preaching, you see. I wish I could. I wish I could just minister with, with uh, gifts of the Spirit every service. Some people might be able to. That may be their ministry. Well, we have a sprinkling of it along as the Spirit wills. We've had folks through gifts of the Spirit operate and healed in these classes of terminal cancer, and they're, they're well now. We've had others that were healed just on their own faith. Nobody ever laid a hand on them of terminal cancer. We have others that were healed because we laid hands on them, and others laid hands on them as the Spirit led, and, 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 and they were healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's still in the healing business. And that's the reason we preach and teach. And by teaching and preaching, we're doing the works of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's all stand up. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-7884.
888-242-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3. 